Hello and welcome to another podcast in the series of In Conversation with the National Trading Standards Estate and Letting Agency team. On today's podcast, I am delighted to be joined by Cara McParland. Hi, Cara, how are you doing? Please introduce yourself. Hi, Nick. Um, yes, I'm Cara. I um, am an investigator with the team. I joined last summer, so I'm still relatively new to the team, but loving it. I have a trading standards background, um, previously worked with Trading Standards Service in Northern Ireland. And yes, I'm here today to talk with you. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And your time is hugely appreciated. Uh, talking of new, right? today we're talking about all things property raffle, mm -hmm. uh, which sounds amazingly exciting. Um, and they seem to be on the rise. Uh, more and more I see um, stories of or evidence of property raffles going on. So let's, let's kick off. Um, what on earth are we talking about <laughs> when we talk about a property raffle? And yeah, property raffles. I mean, one place you might see them is on Facebook or Instagram. My own feed alone on Facebook. I saw two this morning. Um, they're a bit of fun. It's when your dream house, when your house by the beach, um, for the price of a raffle ticket, usually two pounds, five pounds, very little. Um, it offers, uh, it seems to offer the buyer a chance of um, winning a property for a few pounds. Um, it seems to offer the seller of the house or the promoter the chance maybe to get more than the recommended price for their property. So it seems a bit of a win-win all round really. But um, you have to really look at it and ask yourself, does the success happen often? Um, myself, I can only really think of in the last four or five years of maybe two, maybe three properties actually being one. And if the property isn't one, perhaps a cash alternative is given out. So you might not always get the prize that you think you're going to win when you enter. So it sounds, um, it sounds exciting, but um, also sounds a little bit too good to be true. Experience tells me that if it, if it looks that good, maybe something is, um, uh, is not what it seems. And you use the word, well, it seems to be quite often when you were talking about um, raffles. So I, I can only imagine there are um, a number of dangers that we need to look out for. There can be. First of all, maybe ask yourself why someone might want to raffle their property instead of selling it the traditional way through an estate agent. Um, perhaps there, there could be many reasons for this. Um, maybe the, the owner of the property has previously tried and failed to sell on the open market. Um, why did it fail to sell? Maybe it was a hard to mortgage property built with unusual material, for example. Maybe it has a short lease. Um, perhaps, um, I mean, the recent leasehold scandal, we hear of these awful clauses, the, the doubling ground rent clauses that have just left some properties unsellable. Perhaps this is the only option that the owner of the property has to get rid of their property. If we look back, these kind of raffles, prize draws first really became popular during the recession back in 2008. Homeowners back then were struggling to sell and they saw it as an opportunity to kind of get out of that slump. We could be seeing that again with the current scan, you know, the cladding scandals, the leasehold scandals. 
um, COVID the, the past year has just been devastating for some people. So it could be seen as a way out for these people to sell their properties. But as you said, it can be too good to be true sometimes. Winning a property for the price of a coffee um, is, you know, the odds are kind of stacked against you really. Um, the main issue for the vendors is selling enough tickets. So that's one of the dangers of these kind of property raffles. I mean, for a £500,000 property, how many tickets would they need to sell to cover the price of the property? If the stamp duty and legal fees are included, they need covered as well. Very often charities are linked to these competitions. It could be as a way to raise funds for the charity, to raise the profile of the competition itself. So a donation has to be made out of the proceeds of the raffle. Um, any costs, any of the promoters' costs have to be covered. So you really have to wonder, are, what is the chance that the required number of tickets are going to be sold? If the tickets aren't sold, they could close the raffle and you could get your money refunded. But more often than not, a cash prize is awarded instead. Um, we have seen instances where the promise of a £500,000 property as the prize, but instead £170,000 cash was awarded. Now, it's still a good return for a £2 raffle ticket, but it's not what you entered the competition for. And also what has transpired from that particular raffle was that 50% of the ticket proceeds went to the promoter. So the winner of the raffle was only actually getting a very, very small portion of the proceeds of the sale, the rest of it went to cover the promoter's costs. Sometimes just participants in these raffles just aren't aware of that sort of thing. And it's one of the one of the kind of dangers really of entering, one of the pitfalls of entering. This is then I've got alarm bells going off, Cara. <laughs> yeah. Left, left, right, and center, because okay, it, it looks too good to be true. Um, it's only a small investment, but I could win um, the house of my dreams. Okay, looks great looks great um i'm not a massive gambling kind of man there, there must the gambling commission must have a view on this um that, that surely there's um there's rules regulations there's um a poor old consumer which is me right with my five quid wanting to <laughs> win a dream house um surely i must be afforded some form of protection now i've, I've never entered a property raffle but it sounds quite cool on the offset. But I have been um, collared by people at airports and shopping centres, right, standing in front of a really flash sports car. So oh, you could win the sports car for a tenner. Um, and they are very quick to show me pictures of other people that have won sports cars and cash and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I feel as though I'm, I'm, if I'm not careful, I'm going to be manipulated into an environment where it's all is not what it seems. So what did the, what did the Gambling Commission say? And, and... Yeah, um, the Gambling Commission, you're right, the kind of the competitions, the high value car as the prize, they're, they're along the same lines as the property competitions. Obviously, our team are more interested in the, the property competitions than any of these other ones. But I can just quickly say that the Gambling Commission, yes, mm -hmm. their legal language for a raffle is a lottery. So a lottery is where you pay to enter and the result of the lottery is purely based on chance. Now for those lotteries, raffles, um, you need a license 
And the Gambling Commission actually believe that property raffles, as we're calling them, are actually misdescribed. Property raffles are actually competition, prize competitions, or sometimes free draws. So the difference is a lottery, you pay for a ticket, your ticket goes into a pot and a name, a, a ticket's drawn out. There's no skill or um, knowledge involved there. The prize competition is where you pay for your ticket, but you also answer, for example, a question like a quiz question. Most of them you have to actually ask yourself how much skill or knowledge <laughs> is needed. But that's that's the difference. Um, lotteries um, can't be used for commercial gain. For example, selling your house, it can't be used for that. They can only really be used for charity purposes, not for profit, those good kind of causes. Um, and then there's the option of a free draw as well. So there must be a free method of entry for participants. And usually you see that at the bottom of the page because they obviously want you to pay to enter. So the Gambling Commission don't have any authority over prize competitions or free draws. They're only really interested in checking that they're not illegal lotteries. It sounds like there's some easy workarounds to <clears throat> avoid the wrath and yep. There is what fines and, and legal issues that and the that, Gambling Commission might be controlling. Yeah, and that's where we can come in. I mean, they're not just kind of left to have free reign and gather people's money. And there are checks, um, for example, where our team come in. So we regulate the estate agency legislation throughout the UK. In terms of property raffles, we see a property passing from one party to the other. So it kind of, it kind of, pricked our ears, alerted us to the fact to look at whether, okay, is there estate agency work happening here? So to look at that, irrespective of the type of competition being utilized by the promoter, the key point for us is whether the promoter is acting as an agent for the person who owns the property. If they are acting as an agent for the person who owns the property, then we become interested because there are certain legislative obligations that the promoter has to do. For example, be a member of a redress scheme, be compliant with all the anti-money laundering requirements and other general consumer protection things as well. So to kind of go a bit deeper into that, we would look, we have looked at the definition of estate agency work within the Estate Agents Act 1979, which is the piece of legislation that we enforce. Fully acknowledge this legislation was written in the 70s, mm -hmm. but, um, but the definition does apply. There's key points that could be picked out that can be applied to a promoter of a property raffle or a prize competition. Those are things done by a person in the course of a business. So this promoter is acting in the course of a business, of course following instructions received from another person. So if this promoter is acting on the instructions of the owner of the property, we can say that there's the agency relationship there. And if that person who owns the property wishes to dispose of the property, dispose of their interest in the land, anything that the promoter does to kind of help that happen can be seen to be estate agency work because they're looking to find a third person to bring into that and to acquire that interest. So sometimes competition is being run by the people who own the house. It is the owners of the house that want to sell or they mm -hmm. want to run the competition. If the owners of the property, if their name is on the deeds and it is, if it's them 
running the competition, that's fine. There's no estate agency work there. We have looked in a bit closer at some of these relationships and we have seen that if the promoter isn't the person named in the deeds of the house, if they're not the registered proprietor, then there's the agency relationship there. So that's how we can kind of um, talk to the promoters and kind of make them see that you are engaging in estate agency work and therefore you do need to kind of comply with um, the associated requirements. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So if if I've got a house and I think, you know what, the way forward for me is to uh, let's let's raffle this thing. Um, and I had the, the, the process and the structure and, and some method of selling a load of tickets and running this this raffle. Yeah. Um, I, I, chances are that might be over and above board. It does still raise lots of red flags. Why on earth? Am I using yeah. a raffle as my vehicle to settle a place? You know, what's wrong with it? Is it freehold? Is it leasehold? Is there um, other issues that I'm not telling people about? Um, but as soon as I get an organization, let's say someone who's done this before, yes, who, who's got the contacts, who's got the system in place to sell tickets. So I say, all right, can you mm -hmm. raffle my place for me? Then that relationship is one between me and someone who's considered to be um, practicing estate agency work. Yes, yeah, that's the view that this team works, yeah. Right, and then, the, and then that's the case, the promoter, let's call them that, needs to be compliant with all of the necessary legislation. Yeah. So yes, in that case then, they're deemed to be engaging in estate agency work and that estate agency work is in relation to your residential property. So mm -hmm. they have to be a member of an approved redress schemes. So redress schemes, just briefly, they provide consumers with a way to escalate a complaint if they're unhappy with how their agent has dealt with it. So um, it's just another layer of protection there for consumers that it's kind of someone that can deal with a complaint that's independent from the agent. Um, there are consequences if um, agents don't join a redress scheme when they're legally required to. Um, they could face a fine of £1,000 that can be enforced by their local trading standards as local weights and measures, which is commonly your local trading standards, um, or our team as well can impose it, not as well as either or so yeah, and as well, there are um, requirements to register with HMRC for money laundering supervision. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big thing as well. And just there's um, general requirements under state agency legislation that you have to adhere to, and as well as general consumer protection legislation, you know, no misleading advertisements, things like that. And I guess then we fall into all sorts of um, areas, potential issue areas, you know, no misleading advertisements, right? Mm -hmm. if, if, if my promoter, let's call them, um, is, is a dab hand at raffling properties, and you say in your experience, very few actually get the house sold and end up with a cash prize or something else, um, it sounds like, uh, those ad adverts that keep popping up on Facebook and Instagram would need uh, would need looking into. And we have done a podcast on on redress, and that that seems like a really good insurance policy for a 
consumer if things don't go according to plan with a property purchase. Um, do we know if the redress schemes have, have dealt with a lot of um, raffle related um, complaints? I'm not too sure about the redress schemes, but I do know that in the past year alone, our team has received about 20 referrals or complaints Ooh. in relation to property raffles. So yeah, it's quite a lot. I think it's from January 2020, so just over a year. A couple of them, when we investigate them and when we kind of establish that the promoter of the competition doesn't legally own the house, they're not on the deeds of the house. Once we've spoken to them and kind of explained the legislation to them, most of them are quite happy to join the redress scheme and do what they need to do. The ones that we have engaged with are kind of willing to kind of um, protect their consumers and protect their participants as much as they can. A few of them maybe struggle to kind of see how they fit in the legislation because for some of them it's the first time they've even heard or even thought about themselves as being an estate agent but I mean working with them has managed to make them come around so that that in itself is encouraging as well. So the overall pictures in theory but I sound it getting better um, but I'm, I'm pretty mindful that um, as soon as the more you see this sort of thing happening the more likely uh, I think oh that's a good idea you know, in my head, right, if I had a property, let's say uh, a, a quarter of a million pounds worth of house, and I was a, a bit of a marketeer, uh, quite creative, I reckon I could sell loads of tickets, loads of tickets. Let's set the target. I want to get a million quids worth of tickets sold, right? Offload the house, quarter of a million quid, well done, lucky winner. But then I, I take away my million pounds less expenses and start, you know, move to the Bahamas. Um, it sounds marvellous. Um, and it would not surprise me in the slightest if the likes of adverts on Facebook or Instagram or adverts just pop up on um, every single device mm. become far more plentiful. And perhaps the, 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 the compliant promoters who are kind of now playing by the, the correct rules might be in the minority what do we do Cara help me out here right what do we do well, if I see if I see a raffle and I'm tempted what, what questions should I ask myself okay um so yeah there's a few things that if you're a consumer and you're tempted to enter this raffle there's a few things you could do namely just make sure you know exactly what you're getting into before parting with cash, but also you usually have to give name, maybe telephone number, you usually have to share personal details. So just make sure you carry out a few simple checks before you share any of that. Who is the promoter? Who is running this raffle? Are there contact details on the website? Is it a professional looking website? Doesn't always mean anything, but just, mm -hmm. you know, it, it gives a good broader picture. You can check company's house if it's a limited company. You can go onto company's house and check where the registered office is, kind of find out more details that way. Um, you can check whether the property up for prize is actually, whether it actually exists or not. Um, you can go onto land registry and in England and Wales for a few pounds, I think it's three pounds, you can check the title register. So you can check it actually exists. You can check for online reviews of the competition whether anyone's had any good or bad experiences. If there's a charity attached to the competition, contact them, ask them whether it's genuine. So it can be difficult to know how legitimate the competition is, but these are just some checks that 
you know you could do to kind of maybe make yourself a wee bit happier about entering in the first place another key thing is just read the terms and conditions carefully because as we've said um you could be left with a huge tax bill first of all if stamp duty isn't included in the prize or your legal costs so just make sure that's included and actually sometimes if enough tickets for the property aren't sold within the terms and conditions it will say they will still award the prize of the property but the stamp duty etc won't be included so if you have a high value property and you're liable for stamp duty <laughs> it could be thousands and thousands that you end up paying um, without really expecting to Mm -hmm. um, a few other things, yeah, just make sure you know what happens if the minimum number of tickets aren't sold. Will the closing date be extended and extended and extended again? You can you see that happening a lot. And actually, another organization that can help out with this is the Advertising Standards Authority. Mm -hmm. You can make a complaint to them if you see any problems with the advert itself. One example is this extension of closing dates. Um, the ASA, their guidance states that closing dates must not be changed unless it's for unavoidable circumstances outside the promoter's control. But they specifically say that not selling enough tickets isn't a good enough excuse to change the closing date. <laughs> so mm -hmm. there you have them there. <laughs> um, the ASA, their cap code as well, um, their guidance, it states that um, it actually states prizes must be awarded as described in the ad or a reasonable equivalent. So you have to look at it. This £500,000 home isn't awarded. Is £170,000 cash a reasonable equivalent? They have held, they have upheld a ruling in the past where it was deemed not equivalent. So, um, so yeah, they've previously stepped in a few in, in several cases of misleading advertising. So that's another thing a consumer can do if they do spot these kind of um, anomalies or breaches. They can report to ASA if it's a problem with the competition itself. For example, the terms and conditions. Um, you can always go to your local trading standards for advice as well. They will then look into the kind of things we talked about, you know, whether there's a state agency relationship mm. there and they can kind of take it on from that side of things. And then they can also refer to relevant authorities like the Gambling Commission, if it's an illegal lottery or to us, if they if it's work that they can't take on themselves, they can obviously um, tell our team about it. So, yeah, just a few number of small checks. But I think the main issue is you have to just wonder, can can enough tickets be sold to cover what they're promising to cover and kind of take it as a whole really before entering and yes it's only a couple of pounds but from the complaints that we receive and from the complaints that ASA seem to receive it is infuriating <laughs> for some people if the closing date's constantly extended because that means more people are entering and and actually if the closing date keeps being extended it's kind of a sign it could be unlikely that the property will actually be awarded as the prize in the end it kind of sets alarm bells ringing at that stage that maybe the competition's struggling slightly that's that's quite a lot of uh checks and uh, yeah uh and considerations um which which kind of all, all makes perfect sense yes. right we, we should we should approach things certainly things that look too good to be true with yeah. with with caution with common sense and if there is various checks like there are that we can do, um, just to say how, how valid is it? 
how likely is it um and these, these make all perfect sense yeah. these kind of checks and um investigations that we can make yeah. without too much grief exactly. on our side and say, the people is holding it, is it a wise investment even though it's yeah. a small one if people holding these competitions are aware that consumers are doing these checks and are kind of entering into it with their eyes open it could put off you know the cowboys are the ones that are just in it to grab people's money it, it could it's it's just it's another way of disrupting the whole um, process and obviously again from our point of view the important side of it is whether there's a state agency work going on there because um there there's those requirements that have to be fulfilled like the redress yeah. and the money laundering side of things so um that's really important too that that's established and that those are adhered to it, it sounds it's good news that, that that you and the team are on the case mm -hmm. there is some recourse to the asa or yep. the gambling commission it sounds like yep. there's, there's there's quite a lot of eyes on this yep. um this area and uh, we and do have it's... a relationship with asa we do mm -hmm. have a relationship with them to kind of let um we let each other know um about raffle complaints and i call them raffles competition complaints um and whether or who would be the best kind of body to deal with it from a consumer's perspective that sounds like um i'm in reasonably safe hands as long as i'm using uh, as much common sense as i can uh, i can i can gather you know um if i'm not blinded by by the prize and ask ask the, all the all the sensible questions why on earth is it being raffled in the first place <laughs> yeah um and if I even if I was to win it, what are the implications of um, owning a property that yeah maybe the stamp duty um, hasn't been paid or and that's that's a bill I need to foot or maybe it's leasehold and there are all sorts of um, uh, other charges that might I, I might have to um, uh, invest in I may not have seen I may not have seen in the the original advert that flashed up on. Facebook on a Friday afternoon and I thought hmm. oh that looks that that looks yeah. like a nice house exactly. um it, it sounds like there's a there's a lot of work being done in in the background uh, outside of come on everybody use your common sense yeah um, do you see do you see this just this area of um uh, of concern growing um well I mean it is done right it could be a perfectly legitimate way and a novel way of raising money for charity and selling your house as long as it's done properly and legally um this, which is why we would encourage any of the promoters to get in touch with your local trading standards they are a wealth of information and they will be able to point you in the right direction as well as your own legal advice you know definitely um get advice from those sources absolutely there's also free um online it's called business companion it's a free resource of trading standards law and guidance for businesses out there it's really really useful as well so done legally done right um charities can benefit you get to sell your house you get to win a house yes all great but just we would urge caution to do those checks to contact local ts trading standards if um if you think something's off because they will be able to do the further the more in-depth checks as to um what kind of legal obligations that the promoter is under excellent thank you car it does sound like um it's 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 one to keep our eyes on but it sounds like we are in in safe hands 
Thank you very much indeed. That's been fascinating. Oh, and thank you. really, really enjoyed um, kind of exploring all things property raffle. So that's it for the podcast for today. That's another in conversation podcast with the National Trading Standards Estate and Letting Agency team. And we've had the lovely company today of Cara McParland. Thank you, Cara. And watch this space for another podcast soon.